Um, Every week we go to the scriptures because it's there that the person and work of Jesus is most clearly revealed. Uh, Preaching this week is Raph Peters, one of our church planting uh, residents. He is currently prepping training uh, to plant a sojourn congregation in the third ward area, and he's preaching from Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So hear the word of the Lord. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Peace be with you. As Brandon shared, my name is Raf Peters. I'm one of the church planting residents. Uh, grateful to be here. Uh, like you said, we'll be planting, me and my wife and our family, we live in the third ward, and uh, we'll be planting in the near future. COVID has definitely delayed a lot for us, but uh, we're still excited and grateful for the support of our Sojourn Heights family during this time. It has definitely been one that is interesting and so we've needed your support and, and grateful for your support. Uh, as I'm getting my computer prepared, I didn't expect it to turn off on me. And so I'm glad I got it up for you guys so we can go ahead and get started. But before we get started, let me pray and uh, we'll begin our time. God, we come today possibly feeling a variety of different things. Minds possibly consumed by the events of this week. Lord, will you steady our hearts? Will you bring us to yourself? Will you help us, God, to see you? Will you you bring us near to your love and still our hearts and minds so that we can meet with you, so that we can hear your word? Recalibrate us, Father, back to where we need to be. Fuel our hearts with Jesus. Help us to see Jesus, know Jesus, and cherish him. Father, we thank you for how you speak and praying for those that are far, Father, that you bring them near today. Be gracious to us, God, according to your steadfast love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
the union of believers is grounded in the mystical union of Christ and his church. The Bible speaks of a two-way transaction that occurs when a person is regenerated. Every converted person becomes in Christ at the same time that Christ enters into the believer. If I am in Christ, you are in Christ, and if he is in us, then we experience a profound unity in Christ. Quote by R.C. Sproul. Historically, and especially present in the Pauline letters, are moments where the church is exhorted, moments where the church is informed, moments where the church is challenged and rebuked in terms of how she should live or who she should be as the bride of Christ implanted in a broken world. I hope today that for God's glory, our good, and the advancement of the church, uh, that we think of our posture, that we bring back to memory our posture as a church. That we think today based on Philippians 2, the unity that we have in Christ. So to pursue unity, to make that phrase, to make that statement would mean that there's this present threat or reality of disunity. You don't just say pursue unity if unity is something that's always being achieved. We know historically in regards to historic Christianity, relationally in regards to our fellowship with others, and personally in our own personal walk with the Lord that we, as the body of Christ, need to be reminded. We need to be exhorted in imaging Jesus. The church in Philippi, in Philippi and Paul's letter to the church is a great example for us. One I believe we can take from, especially in the current tension and the political climate that we sit. I hope to unpack something for us that we can stand on as the body of Christ. What we need to know about this early church that really helps us during a time like this, it was birthed out of persecution. Actually, as Paul is writing this letter, still experiencing persecution. And it seems as if the church's patience and their resilience under this persecution was wearing thin. What we see is that as due to the, the, the pressure of the persecution, what resulted was grumbling, bickering, and disharmony. So Paul says, if you're going to live out the gospel and cope with the pressures or cope with the climate, if I will, you're going to have to pull together. Paul speaks of Christ and his example at the end of chapter 1 and goes into chapter 2 and says, chapter 2, verse 1, so if, so if there is any encouragement in Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection, if any comfort in love, if any participation in the Spirit, if any sympathy and affection let me stop there. All of these if statements that, that Paul is going through, he's, he's sharing what all we would experience in Christ. There is no doubt here. This if statement is not a, a doubtful one. It is a certain one that he's making, and he's making this response, and it's true. Yes, this is true. Yes, and amen. Verse 2. If this is true about Jesus, if there is comfort, if there is encouragement, if there is participation, complete my joy. 
by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So we have this exhortation that Paul is making about unity, being of one mind. I want to make clear, though, as we talk about pursuing unity, that there's clarity for the body of Christ. Pursuing unity does not mean for us that we can't have differences. Pursuing unity does not mean that everyone has to agree about this party or that party or that this is the Christian party or that we all have to look alike. I really love what Jonathan Lehman says when he speaks of gospel and the politics. He says, the gospel does not automatically resolve all of our wisdom-based judgments in the here and now. It helps us love and forbear with one another amid those differences in our wisdom-based judgments. It creates unity amid diversity, not uniformity. Body of Christ, unity is not uniformity in that sense. So I don't want us to get this idea that we all have to have the same thoughts in, re in regards to our political views. The beauty of the body of Christ is this diversity. The beauty of the body of Christ is that what we share is Christ himself. Paul is not saying seek unity in a way that is neglectful or unconcerned. What Paul is saying here is be harmonious in soul. Souls that beat together in tune with Christ and with each other. Be unified when it comes to how you serve one another in selfless humility. Be unified when it comes to your attitude of mind, same love, same spirit, same purpose. Look to Christ who is the greatest example of what it means to live in selfless humility. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Paul gives this beautiful poem of a Messiah who lived this example of humility and servitude, who emptied himself for the benefit of mankind, who emptied himself, not thinking of himself, but thinking of the interest of others. Heights in our self-preoccupied culture, we have no sense of what it means to empty ourselves for others. To live in a way that puts others' interests before your own is not only foreign in our Western culture, it's deemed absurd or foolish. Everything in our society is telling us to put self first, while the core foundation of what we believe as Christians is saying to die, to empty yourself for the love of God and neighbor. 
That's what brings us together. Pursue that unity. Why is that so important? Why would Paul exhort to the church who in this context is experiencing persecution due to nationalism or love of the Roman government say pursue unity? I think I have some thoughts that I'd like to share today that are derived from this passage. Three points in the close, like every Baptist preacher that I want to share. Point number one, as we look at pursuing unity in Christ, right? (laughs) Number one is our unity is a reflection of the unity within the triune God. Our unity is a reflection of the unity within the triune God. As Christians, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Co-eternal, co-equal, and co-existent. Triunity that exists in the Godhead. And in this, in this, we experience union with God. We experience union with God through faith in Jesus the Son, who has created this bridge for us to have right relationship with God the Father, and has given us God's Spirit so that we image Him and His character. This is the thrust for us to have the ability to even live somewhat humble, selflessly, to live in full love. This is the thrust for us to to have the ability to empty ourselves for others. This is what glorifies God when we depend on his spirit working in us to bear Christ-like fruit. As we are filled, as Christ emptied himself, we are now filled with the spirit of God and now we can empty ourselves to others as we image Christ and bear his fruit. This unity that is unseen in the Godhead and that is happening in our own hearts cannot just remain invisible. It can't just remain some abstract concept, but it reveals itself in how we engage in the world. So yes, it is important for us today to be reminded of this. Obviously, it's something that we always need to be reminded of, but especially today. Brings me to my second point, why unity is so important. Our unity, is the source of care for each other. Our unity is the source for care for each other. It's here where we empty ourselves for our brothers and sisters in need. It's here where we empty ourselves for those in distress. It's here where we open our homes and tables and sit with those who may have different beliefs than us and experience and learn from them. It's here where we encourage and and comfort those with open arms, open ears, and gospel affirmation. It is here where we not only take initiative in gospel proclamation because we do need to proclaim, but we also lead, that, that leads us into tangible acts of service and care for others, not just spiritually, but also physically. It's here where we let go of our party affiliation for opportunity to not participate in fear-mongering, but allowing ourselves to soak in the truth of the sovereignty of God and supremacy of Christ. Again, that is not a passive stance. That is an active one that leads us in how we respond. 
what this reveals is that renewal and redemption is coming. Our care leads us to stir affections in one another for Christ, no matter where you lean. Our love and care for one another should be more than something, again, that remains as an invisible concept, but is a visible and beautiful expression of what Christ has done for ourselves. Hey, we empty ourselves of selfish ambition because Christ did. We empty ourselves of conceit because Christ did. We empty ourselves of the pursuit of significance because Christ did. To live a life of filling up others. Empty yourself for your brother because Christ emptied himself for us so that we could be adopted into the family of God, called a son of God, filled with the spirit of God. Third reason our unity is important, last point and a close. Our unity is our witness. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Hear me, the way to selflessly love, the way that we graciously engage, the way that we truthfully speak with honor, the way that we lovingly correct, the way that we sacrificially serve, the way that we generously give will and can indicate to the watching world a people set apart. Let me say that again, the way that we selflessly love, graciously engage, yet we truthfully speak, lovingly correct, sacrificially serve, generously give, will and can indicate to the watching world a people set apart, a people transformed. Our imaging of Jesus amongst fellowship and community with other fellow believers is an apologetic to the world and a reason for unity, a reason for us to serve our brothers at a time like this and not close the door. Not unity that is neglectful or unconcerned. Hear me, the type of unity that we're to live gives up privilege. It gives up privilege so that others can benefit. Jesus gave up privilege. He didn't count equality as something, equality with God, something to be grasped. He gave it up for the benefit of mankind. Unity where we empty ourselves to image Jesus who in verse four of, or verse eight of Philippians two, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So today, will you take Jesus, who has come not only to serve mankind, but to save it. He emptied himself. (laughs) Believer, lay yourself to the side. 
so that you can serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know it is hard, but here's my hope is that we seek peace, that we be peacemakers. Why? Because Christ has sought peace with us. This changes the way that we engage and it brings glory to God. Unbeliever, if you may be watching or may be present, take Jesus. As the tensions in our world rise, it's just the way it is, hope may seem lost. Unbeliever, know this, that Jesus has presented the hope that you are so desperately looking for in a broken world. His kingdom will last. His kingdom will not be conquered. His kingdom is not divided and it's full of glory and splendor of this emptying king who once came to save and to serve. But get this y'all, a second advent is coming. This king is coming back again. And he's coming to divide and conquer. So take Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your self-emptying love so that we can be filled and united to God. Lord, will you help us take Jesus and also image him in emptying ourselves for our brother? Will you help us come together through our unity in Christ at a time where things seem less than unified? Remind us of who you are and how you've called us to serve and the glory that you display. Father, help us to seek peace with one another because you have sought peace with us. Father, this is not cliche. Father, what you are doing in our hearts is real. And it is my prayer that the world see a visible expression of that, a humble expression of that, that the world see us serve one another amidst our diversity, amidst our differences. God, we have an opportunity to come to your table. May we be reminded of the unity that we now have with brother and sister in Christ as a result of what you've done. God, we thank you for Jesus. May we take Jesus so that we can be filled and so that we can serve and empty ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.